Me too, and I greet each one in Christ's name this morning. Counted a privilege to be gathered together in this way. And um, it's really good to have visitors this morning. So a special welcome to you as visitors, and um, God bless you for coming. Trust you can feel at home here and can, can worship with us. I invite you, well, actually, I'm going to be jumping around a lot this morning in my message. I don't really have um, a specific text that I'm going off of, but just a lot of verses here and there. As we look at a council message, looking at um, our council meeting this coming Wednesday evening, as Brother Matt mentioned, and then communion in, in two weeks from today. So as we come to communion, we want to prepare our hearts for that communion service. And in 1 Corinthians 11, we are instructed to examine, to look at our lives. Verse 27 says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So showing, showing the seriousness in partaking of communion. So because of that, he says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. <clears throat> so as we consider examination, we examine our lives that we might be found worthy to partake of the communion, bread and the cup. Communion is a gratitude to Christ in commemoration of what he's done for us. And to partake unworthily, I think we could say would be a mockery of what Christ has done for us. 2 Corinthians 13.5 also speaks of examination. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not, that, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Each one of us needs regular examination, not simply a twice a year before communion examination, but we need to examine ourselves regularly. In our family, one thing we face with our children is the need to have their eyes examined, um, especially when they get into school and are reading. They need their eyes examined on a regular basis because of some, some eye issues that our family faces. And their eyes change. They don't always stay the same. Just because they have glasses doesn't mean that they're good to go for the next 10 years. And we as people tend to decline if we don't regularly look into our lives and see where we're at. At least that's how I find it for myself. I need to take account of where I am. Jeremiah 
And you're welcome to turn to these passages, but uh, I'm going to be going through fairly fast. Jeremiah 17. A couple verses there that we often look at as we think of examining ourselves. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10 say that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Then it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So we see how the heart can be deceptive, deceitful. How it's hard sometimes to recognize what really is within our hearts. And we must give our hearts over to the Lord to search so that he can examine us, so that he can help us to see who we are. I had to think of my, um, back to eye issues. Here recently, uh, we were recognizing that our daughter was, her vision was not what it had been when she first got her glasses. She was having trouble seeing um, some things at a distance on the whiteboard at school. And you know, I, I couldn't see a problem. She looked, she looked fine. And I don't think I really specifically looked at her eyes to try to figure out what was wrong. But if I would have, I couldn't have seen any problems. And I believe that's why it is the way it is with our own hearts. How we can see the surface and we don't always see as, we don't see as deeply as God sees. We don't see the root of some of the things that we see. Therefore, we need God to help us to search our lives. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And again, I, I think that Sometimes we can see some of the surface issues that we face, but to really get to the bottom of the issues, we need to allow God to help us, to show us what the root is and what's within our hearts. A verse that just uh, speaks to an openness, Lamentations 3.40, speaks to an openness to God searching us. Lamentations 3:40 and 41 says, "Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens." I don't know if you get a a mental picture there of just taking your heart and just holding it up to God, so that God can search your heart, that God can see what's going on within your heart. Just putting it up there for God. You know, I see that as an openness. Just completely saying, God, I want to know what you see within my heart. As we think of counsel, so... This counsel service 
is public counsel. And for some of you, it's going to be the first time that you have experienced public counsel. Um, last fall, we had private counsel, which was a little different. Um, and yet, the same concept behind it. <clears throat> and there are three questions that we, we want to consider as we consider our hearts and as we consider our desire to come to God in a worthy manner in communion. And uh, basically these three questions are, do I have peace with God and with men? And the one source I looked in also said with the church. Typically we look at peace with God and peace with men. The next one is, do I desire to participate in a communion service? And the third one, am I in harmony with the church standards and discipline? And I'd, I'd like to just go down over these questions here this morning and consider the meaning of that. The first one, speaking to having peace. Uh, the first part of that is peace with God. We can have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2 show us why we can have peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justified or being rendered just, rendered innocent, being considered innocent in the eyes of God. So as we have trusted in Christ through faith, God accounts us as innocent in Him. Justification takes place when we have surrendered our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Justification is an act that has taken place within the lives of Christian of Christians. And as we have been justified by faith, we can experience peace or we can be set at one with God. We love to have that feeling of peace with God. There are times we have to go on the fact, the truth of the peace of God. Um, I experience that in my life where I have to, may not always feel that, but I have to recognize that because I have been justified and am endeavoring to live for Christ, that I can have peace with God. Now going on from uh, taking this a little further, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 6 and verse 11. We again read about justification. <clears throat> Talks in the previous verses about, about um, the unrighteous and the, the filth and the vile of, of ungodliness, of unrighteousness. And then he says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, we look at justification as something that has happened. But then we, along with the word justification, we have the word sanctification here. It also says that ye are sanctified. And that is also something that has taken place in our lives. But sanctification, or being made holy, being purified, being consecrated, is something that continues to happen within our lives. Second Corinthians 7.1. In thinking of, of sanctification, it doesn't use the word sanctification in there. But it does use the word holiness. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there is that idea of sanctification being a continuing work within our lives. It is God's desire to see each one of us become more like himself. In the Christian life, we don't just stop after we have come to Christ, after we have surrendered our lives to Christ. But there needs to be a continuing, growing in Christ. Maybe it's in areas that we've been lacking in. Maybe not even specifically sin as such, but areas where he would have us to grow, to become more like him. Areas that we may need to give up something more. Again, maybe not specifically sin. Possibly there's sin that we have been unaware of in our lives. And I think of, one I think of is dishonesty. You know, I think every one of us here wants to be an honest person. But maybe God has spoken to you or me about an area where I haven't totally been honest and haven't recognized it before. We may need cleansing from unbelief in areas of our lives or maybe thoughtlessness as we relate to other people. The list could go on here. But as we consider that perfecting of holiness within our lives, there can also be where we have maybe turned again to the weak and beggarly elements of the world 
the fleshly indulgences that we once were in, the old habits, the former lusts, where God would again want us to pur- want to purify us of those and bring us closer to himself. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, that thought of growing. First John talks about walking in the light in chapter 1. And as God's people, we desire to walk in the light. As we walk in the light, that sanctification can continue. And as God reveals things, as we're walking in the light, we have one choice, and that's to say yes to God and to, to um, do what he says, what he calls us to. So as we have been justified by faith, And as we continue to allow God to sanctify us, to make us more like himself, to reveal areas within our lives, we can experience peace with God and we can give a clear expression of having peace with God. I just want to challenge us in that area to open our hearts to reveal to God, to reveal what he wants to show us in our relationship with him. second part, as we look at the point of peace, is peace with men. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. May peace with all people be our goal. You know, he brings out peace with all men and holiness right together and if we are experiencing peace with God if we are truly given up to God and endeavoring to live for him our desire will be that we would have peace with all men Romans 12 18 also talks about peace. It says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Again, that little word in there, all men. As, as Paul was writing here, he said, If it be possible. Paul recognized that it can be a challenge to have peace with all men. And we heard some about that this morning already um, in our devotions and, and so on. Most of us, if not all of us, experience challenging relationships. Relationships where we have to put forth extra effort. Every one of us needs to work for good relationships. They don't just simply happen. It takes work on both parts. It's possible 
that as we think of difficult relationships, that someone comes to your mind, to my mind. As Brother Phil was talking this morning, if I can pull this back together, what he said, he was talking about um, how Jesus said about loving each other and how he knew it's difficult. And I think there's another side to that as well, is that the devil knows that we are called to love one another, that that is a defining mark of a disciple of Christ. And if he can get us to not love one another, it clouds our light to the world. It clouds our witness. And it clouds our relationship with God if we do not have love one for another. We could, as we consider our lives and our relationships, we could look at work relationships neighborhood relationships, casual acquaintances, church relationships, family, school. Really, it's anyone. And as we think of all, that includes, yes, it includes our family as well, the ones closest with us, to us. And we know the challenges that it can be to keep those relationships good. And maybe especially when more opinions and, and um, viewpoints develop um, just to mesh those together, to work together. We need to work on those relationships and keep them good. Usually we see the other person as the problem when we have a difficult relationship. But what about me? Am I following peace? Or am I, if we could say, pursuing peace? Am I putting forth my best effort at peace? Or am I just looking at the problems of the other person and laying it all on him and not putting forth any effort? We are called to follow peace with all men. As we think of peace and holiness, peace with men and holiness going together, I think I could say that poor relationships could be an indication of something wrong with my relationship with God. And I'm thinking where there are continued difficult relationships. Um, if I have many difficult relationships in my life, it's probably an indication of where I'm at in my relationship with God as well. So moving to the next point, I actually kind of switched the second and third ones around, second and third questions. Um, the second one here I have is, am I in harmony with the church standards and discipline? You know, this question needs to follow the one about having peace with God and man. We cannot rely on the church guidelines 
to make us the person that we should be. First of all, we need to have our relationship with God. The church guidelines does not equal or take the place of a relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. kind of breaking in here, but it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And I think that church guidelines could apply to this as we consider the church guidelines as a brotherhood agreement, something that we have agreed to as we have committed to the church. Submitting or subjecting ourselves to each other. Guidelines are a blessing that help us to have united direction as a church. United direction of our travel aids in the consistency of our practice. I also, as I think of church guidelines, I look at how they were a blessing to me in my younger years in helping to build convictions. But you know, we can't stop with the guidelines of the church. We can't put it all on paper. Another term that we hear at times in our council expressions is about being open to the brotherly address. The brotherly address, where I am open to you to come and share with what you see in my life, where we can be open to each other, to the inconsistencies, the faults that we cannot see within ourselves. That can be a help to our spiritual life. It doesn't really feel good. Just had a recent experience here, and I can freely share this because it wasn't with anyone from here. But uh, where someone came to me about something, and it wasn't an issue of sin, maybe I should look at it in a more serious way than I do, but it felt like, like criticism for um, something that I could have improved on. And it didn't feel really good. It, it felt like that criticism. And I wanted to stand up within myself I did, I did, and think that I probably wasn't really wrong or as wrong as the person thought, which, anyways, it was, yeah, not, I wasn't so bad in my mind. And I, I took it, I didn't, uh, I didn't fight it, I'm thankful I didn't, and uh, I wanted to prove myself right, but I decided not to go down that road. And later I recognized that I probably was wrong in this situation. So as I take whatever it is, whether it's sincere or whether it comes out of a critical spirit and I look at the truth in it, I can actually become a better person. And I think we need to look at the brotherly address that way. 
or whether it comes in a sincere way or a critical way, we can open our lives, we can take a look, and we can probably find some truth in it that will help to make me more useful to God, more of what God wants me to be. The third question that we consider is, do I have a desire to participate in the communion service? That word desire sticks out to me. I'm going to turn to Luke 22 and read verse 15 there. In Luke 22, 15, Jesus was preparing to eat the last Passover with his disciples and to institute the Lord's Supper. In verse 15, he says, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I don't know what all was going on in Jesus' mind, but there was an intense desire. He used the word desire there. With desire, he had an intense longing to partake of that Last Supper as he was looking forward to the First Communion. Christ desires this special closeness with his people, a close communion with us. As I think of Christ desiring that closeness, how special that is, what is my desire for him? And not just as we come to communion, but what is my daily desire for Christ? Do I have a deep longing to be close to him. One thing that I we would hear probably fairly often at our communion services and in a testimony time afterward, uh, generally from some of the older men, was just how not just the older men, some older women too, but how as they grow older, partaking in communion becomes more and more special to them. Communion is symbolic of our daily communion with Christ. And I believe our closeness with God will affect our desire for the communion service and um, I just trust that it will, as we grow closer to God through our lives, that it will continue to become more dear, more special to our lives as well. So again, just a uh, kind of going over the questions. Um, as we search our lives do I have peace with God 
and with men, with all men, as far as possible. Do I, am I in harmony with the church standards and discipline? And do I desire to participate in the communion service? And I guess I would say especially for those who have not uh, attended a public council meeting, um, it, it can be done simply, just simply, just sharing um, where you're at, your peace with God and with your fellow men. Sharing your desire for communion and, and also your desire to um, live in harmony with the church and its guidelines. And I know we don't hear this all the time, and, um, but sometimes we do hear that, and I want to be open to the brotherly address. May each one of us search our hearts. Um, something that I have not been um, extremely faithful in, I'll just say I have not been faithful in, um, are, we are encouraged to come to communion in prayer and fasting. And that's something I want to, um, to be more faithful in. And I, I just want to close the service this morning with Psalm 139. You can turn there and we'll just read through that chapter. As I consider how I really have a hard time in knowing and understanding who I am deep inside, yeah, I can see my surface inconsistencies and failures. And sometimes I have a hard time even seeing those. But you know, God knows each one of our hearts. He knows us better than, than we'll ever know ourselves. He understands us. And as we open our hearts to God, as we hold our hearts up to Almighty God, He alone can really see who we are. And this psalm speaks of how God knows us so deeply and how he cares so much for us. And it closes with just a prayer for God to search our hearts and to make us what he wants us to be. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Notice he begins with that. Thou hast searched me and known me. Even before we lift our hearts up to God to search. Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. There's no way we can get away from God and where he is. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. God knew us as he was forming us. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I, want you to, I want to encourage you to take account of your life, to allow God to search your life. First, First Corinthians 11 talks about being unworthy. And this morning, who of us is worthy? Of Christ. I don't think any one of us here really is worthy of Christ, but because of what Christ has done, he counts us worthy. And I just want to encourage you, as, as you search your lives, not to be faint heart, but as God speaks to our hearts, may we be faithful in going where he calls us, and becoming more what he wants us to be. Let's stand for a closing prayer, followed by the benediction.